Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to this show, this show is all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. And on today's episode, we brought on none other than the amazing, awesome, insightful MJ from the Magic in Quarantine podcast. He came on and we talked about so much EDH, uh, got a lot of EDH, just mainly EDH uh, and, and content creation, what it's like starting a podcast and all that stuff. So be sure to listen. But before we get into that, we have a few little announcements here. Um, we are still working on releasing more episodes of D&D for Normies, The Price of Progress. We're getting there. Oh my gosh, we've had three episodes so far, and we've got more coming. Ooh, and then after this campaign is done, we've got more plans for D&D stuff. Maybe some more magic D&D stuff. Um, so that's like the big thing I wanted to talk about. Uh, we can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify, and on YouTube if you search Magic Wazubi on YouTube. And you can reach out to me on Twitter at Magic Wazubi, at Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby, and at TikTok at MTG Zuby. I should really like unify all three of those, but that'd make too much sense. Uh, you can also reach out to me at MTG Zuby at gmail.com. And if Oh, yeah, my sponsors. Ooh, how could I friggin' forget that? Uh, if you want to buy, trade, and sell your Magic Sealed product and singles, sign up at cardsphere.com. Tell them Magic Wazubi sent you. And if you want to have some of the most blingiest bling for your deck and all that stuff, go to uh, Alter Sleeves and use promo code MagicWazubi or use my link in the show notes below. Uh, definitely get on that altar sleeves bling because I freaking love it. They've got some amazing artists there that do some awesome, you know, altars for your cards that you don't actually like ruin the card itself. It's just sort of like a penny sleeve you put on freaking awesome. And that's about it for announcements here. So without further ado, please help me in welcoming MJ to the show. Uh, hey everybody, Zuby here and I'm back with another interview. Um, it's been a while. Since I've done, hell, since, since I've done an episode, I've been so busy with the D&D for normies. Um, I'm like, I'm itching to do a magic podcast. So I put out on Twitter today, as of this recording, about like, yo, I'm trying to come up with an idea for an episode. And I can't, I literally can't think of anything. And so I just put it out there. And it, we have the awesome MJ from the Magic in Quarantine podcast here with us to just BS and talk about himself and magic. Uh, welcome, MJ. How are you? Hey, what's up, Zuby? It's good, good to be on here. Oh, welcome. Thank you for uh, replying to that. Because, like I said, I've been banging my head all day on just something to talk about related to magic today. Oh, I, I know how that feels. Uh, just trying to come up with topics uh, for my own show, my own podcast. It can be hard. And uh, it's always helpful when someone out there kind of just says, hey, let's just talk. And, you know, it, it always makes for a great conversation. So happy yeah. I could help. Oh, no, thank you. Yeah, because I've been this podcast is over six years old now. And the amount of changes the show has gone like I first started this show trying to journey and chronicle what it's like from from going from like a casual kitchen table player to someone who then joins FNMs and then goes to PTQs and IQs and PPTQs and GPs and all that stuff. And that's that's what the focus was a lot in the beginning. And then after I stopped really I started hating competitive magic. 
<laughs> um, it really started turning more into like this interview slash more casual approach to just magic, like with commander and cube and all that stuff. Sounds good. That did you, um, I know you are primarily like a commander player. Oh yeah. Uh, did you, did you ever dive into like the, the constructed scene ever tried to be competitive or anything like that? Constructed scene? No, I actually didn't. Um, I got into Commander really early because at my uh, local game store where I learned how to start playing, which unfortunately didn't survive COVID, so that really mm. makes me sad. But um, I, I learned to play there. I went to FNM, but we, we didn't really have a, a normal FNM as a lot of people out there would describe it. It wasn't competitive. We Basically, how it was set up is you'd show up, you would pay i think it was like 250 or something every every friday and you would get a booster pack and you could just sit down and play whatever in the heck you wanted all all evening for as long as you wanted to until shop closed so it was perfect for me to just you know as i was just learning how to get into the game i didn't really understand how a lot of things worked i just put kitchen table decks together because i didn't really understand what the difference was and Mm -hmm. i would get to play i got to learn and a couple of couple of weeks in the the shop owner uh just said hey do you do you guys of course it was myself and a couple others like hey do you guys want to play commander and just well this seems interesting i i like where this is going and i got hooked started going to commander events at a different game store which had commander every sunday and um yeah the the rest is history I, i was hooked on edh and it hasn't stopped so were you playing kitchen table type of magic at first yeah, pretty much. I mean that 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 was that was the kind of uh, experience that I'd had with my previous card games. Again, uh, for people out there who don't know me, I uh, grew up in the Halcyon days of Pokemon in the '90s. So I played first run with uh, with the first with base set with Jungle with Fossil. I got in on the early Yu-Gi-Oh craze back when the anime was first run in in the oh, United yeah. States. And the, the, the dubbed version, anyway. And it's like, so I, I was I was at the right time, kind of the middle school age by that point. And then you, you get to high school, things stop for the most part. I couldn't find anyone to play anymore. I stopped playing card games for a long time. And then, you know, 12 some years later, I pick yeah. up Magic. And it's like, okay, kitchen table is all I knew how to do. So I'm going to just throw together whatever cards I have in my collection I bought a toolkit, the Ravnica Allegiance toolkit, and like I, with some booster packs and some random chaff cards, I can build a deck that I can play. I didn't really <laughs> understand the concept of formats because I'd only ever played around the lunchroom. So yeah, the concept yeah. is like standard, modern, different formats. It didn't compute to me at first. So that was kind of a, a, a learning experience for me was to really dive into that. It's like, oh, okay so like competitive but with different types of cards because i never really had run in any sort of environment where there's ever more than three sets like like i said when i was playing pokemon yep. there were only three sets at the time so i you kind of played what you had there were no uh you know there, there was no modern or like vintage for this it's you know you either have uh your uh, one copy of your hundred dollar now charizard or you don't <laughs> yeah now, that kind of sounds similar to when I started, because, I, I mean, I started in Urza Saga, and I, I knew of Type 1, Type 2, but we didn't have um, 
LGSs around here growing up or anything. Mm-hmm. But but my friends and I, we were aware of those kind of formats and sort of jankily built around uh, whichever was the standard format. I can't remember if it's type one, type two. Can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but what took me by surprise when I came back to Magic during uh, M13, yeah, I think it was, um, during M13, I, I went to my first draft experience and I had no idea what draft was. And because, like I said, not growing up with a game store, you're not familiar with all these formats, like you said. And, oh my God, that that's when... If there's any format that I could play over and over again, like for the rest of my life, it'd be draft. Like, oh yeah, I I love draft so much. <laughs> and when Commander Legends came out, like in putting draft slash sealed with Commander, best freaking set like they've come out with in a long ass time. Oh yeah, Commander Legends was really fun. Uh, I I think I guessed it on your stream doing a uh, sealed sealed one week. Uh, with Commander Legends, that was that was really fun, and just getting to oh, crack, okay. get, yeah, get, getting to crack those packs too, and just find some really useful cards in there too was was also really cool. I, I love when we do our sealed streams. They're some of the most fun. Like even though you know numbers wise they get super low viewership because you know people would rather watch you know constructed or Commander. Um, I personally love them because I love the we all open our packs together. We bullshit about the cards we got open and the decks that we're going to build and how they're all garbage and then just playing the one game. And <laughs> I love it. Un, uh, unless you're the the one lucky person who does open the one bomb rare and then everyone hates you for it. Oh, yeah. And then like, we're all yeah, going that, after you. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that totally happens. Every oh, time yeah. I played sealed, it's, it's always you're either everything is total garbage. It's hot fire or you actually have a decent card pool and you can actually do something with it. So it's one oh or the other God. with sealed. It's never it, never anywhere in the middle. Dude, so even when you open up a garbage pool, you can still come out with the win. I'll never forget the time I did an hour of devastation sealed where I went 3-0 or 4-0 and I had the worst card pool imaginable, but everything had synergy though. Um, oh, yeah. Like I had no good rares, like no, no really good uncommons. It was like a Boros aggro something um but like everyone around me was opening up the new nicoboluses all the the scarab gods and you know the, you know all, all the gods and nicoboluses you can imagine here i am like oh look i opened up uh shit w- what's that really shitty land that like five color land um uh, cascading cataracts yeah yeah like garbage card <laughs> for for limited anyway yeah like <laughs> great commander card though yeah and, and i think it had opened up a scavenging graveyard or something or i think that's a card the scavenging scavenger grounds yeah scavenger grounds yeah yeah yep, yep. again like, i mean you are opening up great commander cards but they're terrible and sealed yeah reminds me yeah of, r- reminds me of uh my terrible story of the theros beyond death pre-release you know uh, a couple of years ago in the before times and Fuck, i ended that, up with that like, was I think, before covid wasn't it three three of the rare you know scry dual lands um nyx lotus which in sealed no not good oh yeah and it's like i so i have maybe two rares and one of them is a removal spell okay nothing great here and and, and my my friend because we we're playing two at a giant uh pulled the new heliod it's like Dang it! <laughs> oh God! <laughs> uh, internal screaming. 
yeah. uh, intensifies. But yeah, I, I, I hear you on that one. Is that sealed is either really hit or really miss. That's what I love about it. Like just trying to build something out of the garbage you open. I love it. Oh yeah. I love it. So you have a podcast called MTG and quarantine. Um, yes, I do. Tell me a little bit about that and why you started it. Okay. So MTG and quarantine has kind of been a passion project for me for the last couple of years. Cause you know, COVID happened, the world shut down. There's a, and uh, again, stop me if you've heard this one before. There's a lot of negativity on social media, especially on Twitter. And that's nothing but positivity. (laughs) I, I was trying to, you know, filter through. I was still I'm still really new to magic. I started playing in early 2019, so I'd only been playing for about a year. Uh, when COVID hit and I I got on Twitter because I wanted to learn more about magic. I wanted to become a better player. I wanted to use my time to, you know, learn how to get good noob. Right. And I I, I was building new decks. I was still struggling to get there. And I, I kind of started to get a little bit sour about a lot of the negativity that was on the Internet. A lot of people saying, well, you know, this card is not playable because or just saying this card is not playable. Full stop, period. And I'm thinking, well, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, from from my days in kitchen table, it's like there's a lot of cards out there that just need a good home. You know, just like the the Christmas tree from Charlie Brown uh, from the Charlie Brown special is that it may not look great on the outside, but there might be a diamond in the rough somewhere in that card, like a niche use for it. And that's really where I kind of started to say, you know, I have my own opinions. Um, Maybe I should just kind of shout into the void and see if anyone answers. So MTG and quarantine got started because obviously we were in a quarantine state at the time. I just thought it was kind of a cheeky little uh, way to to name something that was kind of memorable and kind of topical at the time when when the world was kind of getting turned upside down by by the pandemic. And really but but i didn't want to use that time to to basically say hey these cards i these cards are unplayable i wanted to say hey you know here's what i really enjoy about magic and i so a lot of the episodes i really started doing were like what do i like about magic what do i like about x the first episode i did was i have a friend who was playing a lot of things like warp world and Scrambleverse at the time and it's just you know i actually kind of find that all right because you know, it, it leads to an interesting game state and just, you know, things like that. It's just, you know, you don't have to agree with me. I'm just saying, hey, it's my opinion. I, I, I just really enjoy this kind of stuff. It's fun. And it leads to memorable experiences. And I just kept going on and on and on about that. And over time, kind of brought some traction, you know, started thinking, OK, how do I try to build this? And bam, a year and a half later, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you on, on your podcast <laughs> Um, as, as someone who's really built a community and is really, in, in a way, kind of paid it back in kind to the community, too, trying to build a build a nice group of people who support each other or out there just having fun with this format we all love. Oh, thank you. And yeah, you've um, you've definitely come a long way, too. I, I can remember I, I know we played EDH a bunch, especially last year and. Oh yeah, I, I think in 2020. So forgive me. It's I can't remember every single game, but there's just one game that I really recall that I can't remember what commander you were playing, but you ended up winning the game, and um, there was just like one card that I I either completely forgot about or never heard of, 
and it gave me the inspiration for one of my decks. Let me see if I can find that card here. In my Voltron deck? I think it was the Voltron deck, and it okay, was yes. with... I, um, I, rem I remember exactly how that goes down, if, if you want me to hold on, hold on. Uh, regale oh, shoot, the tale. Yeah, Inquisitor's Flail was the, the card that I completely, oh, yes, completely forgot about, and I'm like, I it made me, like, that deck you played made me fall in love with that card. Like, even though it killed us all, I, I freaking loved everything about it. Oh, yeah. Inquisitor's Flail, again, it's a high-risk, high-reward card, and I really enjoy those sorts of things. Is they're silly, they're kind of stupid sometimes. I mean, yeah. it has a very real downside. And again, Inquisitor's Flail, for any of your listeners who may not know, it's an artifact costing three. Equip cost two, I think. And it basically reads, if enchanted creature, or sorry, if equipped creature causes damage, it deals double that damage. But also, if equipped creature is dealt damage, it takes double damage so yeah it's effectively just like a one a, a, a symmetrical i guess uh like furnace of wrath uh the mm -hmm. uh dictator the twin gods type effect just on equipment and yeah, yeah I, I really love that kind of really big bombastic thing i mean you can definitely tell i'm a boros player because i love punching people in the face with creatures and it can be fun um, it, it totally is, and and Inquisitor's Flail is definitely one of my favorite cards in that kind of archetype because you can work around it. There are things you can do to prevent that the downside, but the double damage you get is just so potent that it's it's great, and you can play it in any color deck too. Yes, it's, it's the artifacts are amazing, and it, it basically kind of summed up what I was looking at is, you know, if I can't be the best player at EDH, I can certainly try to be one of the smarter players. I mean, and, and, and not saying that in a, in a negative way, but mm -hmm. I kind of have to think about it. It's like, I'm not, it, it's kind of like if you're, you talk about you're being an athlete, right? Is, you know, maybe you're not the most athletic, but you can certainly try to make up for some of that through training, hard work, and and it's like, so, so that's how I kind of approach EDH, especially at that point in early 2020 is, you know, I'm definitely not the best EDH player, but I can certainly try to find something that works for me that people don't expect. And that things like Inquisitor's Flail in my Voltron deck, which unfortunately has kind of become the black sheep of my uh, of, of my deck collection because I rarely play it because who, it, who's it's the commander again? Um, so the commander of that deck, and I have to get it up here real quick because I always forget. And and again, if any of my own listeners are out there, you've probably not heard heard me talk about Bruno. I mean, uh, or excuse me. Um, I so my Voltron deck is a Demir Fairy all the way back from Lorwyn, uh, Widwin the Biting Gale, and Widwin's a three-three Fairy Wizard for two blue and a black. She has Flash Flying and the really interesting ability, and this is really what got me to build her in the first place is you can pay blue and a black and pay a life to return Widwin the Biting Gale to its owner's hand. And if I recall correctly from that game, I think uh, our friend Timothy uh, Infamous Fridge was on that game as well. And Maybe. he he had uh, a Kogla on the board at one point, and I basically was able to return Widwin to my hand in response to the Kogla trigger, replay Widwin, block Kogla, <laughs> return Widwin to my hand, and then recast Widwin to win the game. It was a ridiculous sequence, and I think I got it right, but I really love the fact that you can return her to your hand anytime yeah. you need to by paying one life for a very small cost. And she has flash, so I can get her out whenever I want to. And the deck is super cheap. I mean, if you really look yeah, at I my deck you telling list, me that. Yeah. 
it's like 20 25 bucks because i'm basically just playing a bunch of extremely low cost equipment and then just some ways to bounce my commander but also ways to get win right through so it's a very one note deck but it's kind of, Widwin's kind of the perfect Voltron commander, honestly, for, for me anyway, because she has relevant ability, she has an evasive ability, and just the ability to unsummon her at any time and then recast her even on an opponent's turn is really what puts that over the top. And it's also kind of the janky card that people always overlook when they're building a commander deck. That's something I really like doing too, is if, you, if people say this commander is unplayable or this commander is trash, that's the exact kind of commander I want to build because I will find something fun to do with this commander. And Widwin is just another perfect example of how I take chaff commanders, quote unquote, and turn them into to diamonds. Yeah, because it's super easy nowadays. I mean, that's been one of the big, big things with commander the past couple years is just a lot of people complain about the homogeny of the format, right? Where, mm -hmm. you know, you have the super powerful command, e even if it's a commander that is not one of the better ones, right? There's still so many good cards in any of those colors where it just feels like you're going to see the same cards over and over and over again. And that's kind of the thing that I try to avoid in my deck, my deck mm -hmm. buildings. I mean, sure, I have decks that, you know, you can look at some of my list and be like, yep, you're going to see these same cards in every other deck. But I have certain decks that I try to build that try to be somewhat different. Like, like my, my Narset Monk Tribal, for instance, right? It's not the typical Narset deck you see where it's extra turns and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to do infinite damage. It's just stupid monks. It's not very good, but I have fun playing it. Yeah, and 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 that's the, the whole goal about EDH, right? Is you want to make sure you're having fun playing whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, is Widwin going to be able to catch people multiple times once you know I'm going to do? Probably not, but it's still fun to play every now and then because it is a very one note deck. You know exactly what you're getting into it and you know you can, it's a glass cannon. You can totally mm -hmm. screw yourself over with this deck. It's very easy, but the ability to just vomit a whole bunch of equipment on the board or in your case, be able to play with Narset playing Monk Tribal right there. It's, you get to have that fun of doing something a little different that's a little bit outside the norm. And that's really the, what I found is to be the, the, the allure of playing commander at really any level yeah yeah it can be it can be and i i know a lot of it depends on your group too like the group of people you play with it's uh, sure now it's I've, I've been feeling like lately i don't know what it is lately but i've been finding it hard to get any kind of inspiration out of the new sets that have been coming out lately mm. i feel like so many of them just like any of the new commanders that come out, so many of them just feel like, oh god, what's the good way to put it? Um, kind of the same, doing the same old, same old. Yeah, same old, same old. And like you see a commander, and it's like, okay, you know exactly how to build it, right? Mm -hmm. There's really no like mystery behind it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that that that's completely fair, and I I do feel you on that as well. Is that like uh, a lot of the new Kamigawa cards? They look really cool. I don't know if I necessarily want to build a commander deck around them because, again, that's just what I do. Is I love going back and digging deep in Magic's history and finding a whole bunch of creatures. I think the only one that really looked... I mean, actually, there, there are two from Kamigawa that looked really... Or Neon Dynasty, anyway, that looked really cool to me. And I haven't built either of them yet. I've just kind of just been sitting on them for a bit. 
Um, not sure if I'm gonna build them, but it's like they they do interesting things. And but the rest, again, just personally, I I haven't really felt all that inspired the last few sets either. I mean, I still have two decks I want to build from the D and D set. I want to build my Minx vehicles deck with the Minx who gets the little gerbil or the hamster. The I mean. Yep. Yeah. And then um, I want to do Sephiroth's dungeons to compete with my dragons deck. Mm-hmm. And Sephiroth's is a house too. I've only I've, oh, only I've played against Sephiroth once, but it's <laughs> great. It, it is nuts. I, I I've seen it played against me in Magic Online. Whoo, damn! But that was like <laughs> overboard craziness. I'm not gonna go that crazy. I just wanted to get all the dungeon cards, and that's probably it. <laughs> yeah, dungeons dungeons are fun. It's something that I've wanted to build uh, for a while. I just haven't found the right use for it. Uh, I have a friend, a mono white border, aka Peter, on Twitter, a good big time friend of the show. And he built Tama Bashar to try to run through Tomb of Annihilation a million times oh, and try nice. to ping everyone down that way. It's like, I kind of want to do that. But on the other hand, you know, Peter did that and he kind of gave up on it after a while. Is there any yeah. way I can try to build this deck that's a little bit different that I maybe don't get sick of it after a few times? And that's really the the catch, I think, for for me as a brew. And I, again, I'm not sure if you feel the same way about this, Zuby, but uh I, I kind of want to. I love the chaos of uh, not a variance, and yes. you know, if 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 the deck is kind of getting a little stale, I can always pull it apart and put together another deck that just has that same chaotic element of variance. And I, because I, I thrive off of that. Yeah, when when I started, I didn't. I started playing Commander. God, so I've been in and out of Magic since Urza's. Then I came back during Kamigawa Ravnica. Um, then I came back fully and haven't stopped since, since M13. And I started getting into Commander, I want to say, oh shit, what's the third Ravnica set? Dragon's Maze? Yeah, Dra- Dragon's uh, Maze. Yeah. Um, and then it was either like Dragon's Maze or M14 is when I started getting into Commander. Because they had the pre-cons, the Commander 2013 pre-cons come out. And god, that's when... So when I first got into Commander, I was all about doing combos and trying to go infinite and, you know, try to make my decks as best as they could. A lot of it did have to do with my local meta at the time, too, because there were so many competitive players. So you have no choice but to keep up. But after yeah. a while, like I, I like me right now, I'm so bored of infinite combos because it just becomes your deck does the thing like you're, you're gonna tutor up your win cons and then that's it i mean if you enjoy that cool but it's just i'm i i've done that i did that for so long like um i don't know you should you should know nin the pain artist right yep yeah there's you um deal damage to a creature for tapping and then doing like x damage to then the yeah like the, there was yeah. there was what nin the pain artist stuffy doll and brash taunter now yeah, Brash trying to there, I, but there was like a little combo you could do to get it, and then that's what I would do. And then I'd also throw in the Lab Man, um, Enter the Infinite combo mm-hmm. as well, just in case Palancron was in there for when I wanted Infinite Mana. Sure. Um, just a whole bunch of stuff. And I had a few other decks too that would go infinite, like my Krufix deck originally would go infinite with infinite mana just to build up super big beasties. Um, I had other stuff too. I'd have to look up my old deck list, but. I just don't find that kind of play interesting now. Like what get 
like I have my decks that are what I consider finely tuned, like Grand Arbiter, Crufix, um, like my Maha deck, which probably could be a little bit more tuned, but it is pretty strong. Like those three, I probably consider my most tuned decks, like where I have my tutors and stuff like that. But my a lot of my other decks that I build now, I put zero tutors in and. Or, or if there is a tutor, it's going to be like a five-costing tutor, you know? Yeah, I definitely hear you on that one. I I think for me, it's kind of the same same way, is that I'm not really into combos. I've gotten in them more recently just to try them out. It, it kind of depends on the deck, depends on the meta, mm-hmm. and just trying new things. I mean, again, I, I've spent a lot of time on my podcast talking about competitive EDH recently because it just seemed interesting for me to try something new. I I used to be completely anti-combo in my own way, and then I just said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try. We'll see what happens, and I've really enjoyed it thus far. But yeah, I I still enjoy a good beats deck where I'm just swinging sideways and doing funky things, and, you know, my Voltron deck with $15 worth of equipment, you know, trying to beat the crap out of people who are, you know, have $1,000 decks with my yeah. commander that's 10 cents, you know? <laughs> Fun things like that, because it... It's all, at the end of the day, I look at it as, are you enjoying the deck you're playing? And if yes, then that's great. But if you're not, I, I guess at that point, you have to really ask yourself why. And is there something you can do to that deck? Or do you want to move on to a different deck that you enjoy more? It's really about enjoying yourself. Because there's a million other things we could be doing with our time. But we keep coming back to EDH for a reason. And we got to try to bottle up that feeling of why we play, why we love this format. And then be able to kind of hold that on, hold on to that in times where, you know, maybe things aren't so good. Maybe your deck is not doing the thing it wants to do, or, you know, maybe you're just not enjoying that deck. Well, maybe then it's time to put that deck on the shelf, try to brew something new. I'm always brewing new decks there. There's a lot of decks I've had where I've gotten rid of them after once or twice. Um, I I did the thing. Cool. Um, It's never going to be any different. Move on. Find something else where it's like tokens i end up building a lot of tokens decks for this reason because you can build them in so many different ways and they always do the same thing but the way you get there is always different you do it in different yes. colors you just like how many ways can i just abuse tokens in different color pairings while still doing the exact same thing just turning everything sideways i mean that that right there it's like how many colors how many ways can i color shift strategies entire strategies into this and just oh yeah i love tokens yeah, challenging myself to try something new and that's really where i get a lot of my fun out of edh is just building decks that i feel confident and are fun for me to play that i never get bored of and then just if if i get bored try something different you never know when you're gonna run across a new favorite deck of yours until you try well it's true it's true it's um i think it's it, for me, that's more true than ever because recently I just took apart a bunch of decks that I've just been bored of. You know, it's like the the one that I always memed about before, Ashaya, where it had no creatures and just nothing but fogs and so much uh, land um, in it. I mean, I've won a bunch of times with that deck because every time I play it, no one knows what the hell is going on with that deck but it's kind of like i've won a bunch of times i made a point it can win with zero creatures in it so you know move on from it i i've i've taken apart you know my edgar deck my zakama you know moldratha chulane all those super powerful ones because it's just 
they start doing the same thing over and over again. E even if I don't have tutors in them, you know what I mean? You always look for the same thing. Generally, you're trying to do the same thing. Yeah. No matter what card you have in your hands, you're, you, you know what you're going to get with these commanders. That's why they're so powerful. That's why they're so popular. But in a way, yeah, they, it does kind of homogenize things. And that's why I rarely build very popular commanders. And when I do, um, I've made a habit of trying to build them in extremely bizarre ways. And I talk about that a lot on my podcast in case uh, people are interested in hearing about me ramble about my um, my my powered down powerful commanders and just my fun little travails trying to trying to work through that process. Yeah, yeah, there'll be a link to the show in the show notes on the YouTube uh, uh, YouTube video and anything on where all the Magic Wazooby podcasts are, too. Um, speaking of your podcast, um, looking at your list of episodes here, you first started June 30th, 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been going on, it's going to be two years coming up soon. Yeah, um, in, a, in like three, four months, yeah. I know. So what are some things that you have, you know, gleaned from, from starting this podcast journey that maybe well, you want to share about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a really good question there, Zuby. I mean, like, like I said at the outset of the show is I started this as just a way to, you know, scream into the void to say, there's positive things about magic that people kind of forget. And that was the whole thing that I was trying to, to say. And... What really, to, to be honest there, I'm, I'm going to be open about it, is I really did think about quitting for a while there, is that I wasn't, I, I was kind of running into the same doldrums that you are right now, is you can't really quite think of something to, to talk about. You're just not feeling inspired. Maybe things are, are not necessarily going all that great outside the podcast. And I was just feeling like I was, I was in a rut and I was close to quitting. I was rarely doing episodes. And really what saved the podcast and got me back on the high horse, I guess, was really starting to bring the community into it. I had things I wanted to talk about, but, you know, there, there's only so much I wanted to talk about. I wanted to hear what other people had to say. And I started to it early on. It was like January of 2021, I think I started. I had my first guest. Uh, I had Urza Bearwalker on to talk about their personal system evaluating cards and really what that started was the ability for me to do exactly what you're doing right here with your show is bring guests on to bring their expertise but also just you know to just talk about various things and i realized that it's it's a whole hell of a lot more fun to to have someone else to bounce ideas off of rather than sit behind my mic and shout into the void you know so I, I started to pick up that momentum, started to bring on more people, make more friends, meet those people, try new content segments. And if you if you look at my Spotify account, there's just so many different things I've tried. Not everything's worked. Oh, I yeah. mean, there's a lot of episodes, especially in the back back half of the catalog that, you know, they, they flopped epically. But how was I supposed to know at the time that anything was ever going to take off? It was just like uh like a, the Control Room series, for instance, where I bring a friend I had from high school on to just, you know, we were talking about random stuff. Did the listens really come in? No, but it was fun just being able to talk with someone I've known for a long time, uh, just talk about magic, because he was really into magic in, in high school, and I, I wasn't. I, like I said, I, I'd sworn off card games at the time. So he keeps telling me, well, you know, I kept trying to get you to, to play magic back then, just really? I don't remember you ever mentioning that. <laughs> 
So it's just now that we got a chance to to talk about magic. It's like, you know, I kind of wish I had started back then. But on the other hand, if I had started back then, I might have quit. So maybe this was the best time for me to really get into magic, to really, really start talking about it, start the conversation. And that's just really kept spiraling. I, I'm not going to say spiraling downhill. It's gone in the in the opposite direction. It's gone way uphill. And I've really met a lot of amazing people. I can't wait to meet people at conventions eventually when we can right. hopefully start everyone get back together because I want to meet so many people out there who I've either met on Twitter or uh, interacted with in a spell table game or who've been on my podcast. Uh, just everyone I've met, it'd be nice to just be able to say, hey, look out world, you know, MJ's here to just say hi because this because <laughs> it, it's weird honestly being being a podcaster is that uh you know i i walked into one of my uh into in one of my local lgs's a few weeks ago because uh because i've been reached out to by someone in the local cdh community and they're saying hey you should come out to out to cdh night um once a week at, at the lgs and just well that, that sounds cool and so I went out there a couple of weeks ago and the the guy just said, hey, do you need a pod? Yeah. Walks over. Hey, everybody, this is MJ. He's got a podcast. It's really cool. You should listen to it. It's like, holy crap. I'm like a VIP. You've rolled out the red carpet for me. That's I just do awesome. a podcast. It's just like, but but the fact is, is that you you start developing your own personality and you can start really customizing your your podcast, your experience, and also just find curate the community you want to have obviously you know trying yeah, to find really community yeah. trying to find community on social media these days is really hard and it takes a lot of work but if you, if you stick at it if you stick with it you can find a lot of really great people who share your interests and that's really what the podcast has done for me is when my social life in person has been in shambles for the most part the last two years just you know with with covid with a lot of situations out there Magic has been an outlet for me to, you know, talk to people, interact with people and just exist in hopes that eventually, you know, when we can all go back to conventions, you have a million friends all of a sudden that you didn't have before. And I, I guess when I was starting out Magic, I never really knew how far this game was going to take me three years later. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. It's nice to know, you know, hearing you talk it's nice to know that, you know, a lot of us feel the same way because, you know, even six years later doing this, there's still times where it still feels like I'm talking to the void a lot. Um, and it's, you know, I, I've said this before on my show many times where I didn't even think I was going to make it three months, let alone now six plus years with this stuff. So it, it's definitely, it's commendable for you to keep going, especially in times where it just feels like it's all pointless and especially when the numbers aren't there, right? Where, and this is the thing that frustrates me the most with podcasts, right? Okay, so normally my episodes always come out Friday morning, or like they release always midnight on Friday or 1 a.m., whatever. And I'll have one episode that I think is like the best episode ever I've ever done, and it gets like 500 downloads, right? And then some episode that I do that I don't give two shits about, like, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, all the magic cards that fart on the art. And it's like, <laughs> I get, it gets like 2,000 downloads. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> have wow. you have you ever had that happen to you? Just oh, like, totally, it just totally. frustrates I the mean, hell out of me. <laughs> I mean, there, there are times where 
I have episodes that I'm really excited about, and they don't do the best. I mean, I'm trying to find a really good example here. Um, I mean, there was a really good episode I had uh, in January, and I had Jake from Command the Cause on my on my podcast to talk about how we can try to utilize our platform as content creators and magic personalities to try to be able to raise money for charity through yeah. various events that we run online. And that was a really cool conversation because it got me thinking, you know, this is really kind of the point where I guess I do have a, I, I guess I am a community personality. People recognize me for the play mat, for the podcast, whatever. And it's like, I really thought that was going to take off. And, you know, the listens just aren't there. But it was an amazing episode. It, it got me thinking, you know, maybe someday I could do some sort of charity thing. I, I don't know anything about planning those sorts of things. I, I've never streamed before, but it's it's the idea more, I think, than uh, than than anything else. And, you know, the episode, unfortunately, really hasn't gone anywhere play wise. It's basically gotten buried amongst all the other things. And it's not to say I haven't done other interesting episodes, but um, when when some of my episodes basically just talking about how someone builds a deck, which is like a 15 minute conversation, gets more listens, sometimes more frequently than a, an episode that I really think it's like this really hits home what we can, what the power we are, the power we have as players, community members and content creators it, it is kind of weird. You know, it, it yeah. feels like everyone should if this feels like the thing where, you know, we, when you go to school, it's like, here's your syllabus. You should listen to this episode first, right? And it, it just kind of got lost amongst the shuffle, and it just feels like you know it happens, that yeah. that was that was an episode that I feel people could really get inspired by. And unfortunately, you know, the numbers haven't been there. But again, you know, there are episodes that do just bonkers numbers, at least at my at my level, which is uh, I, I get many fewer fewer listens than you do, Zuby. So um, so from from my where I sit, um. I, I do have some episodes where it's just like, how the hell did this ever get anywhere? And then other ones were just, why didn't I get more listens to this? So I, I yeah, completely understand the feeling, how, how that goes. It's like sometimes you just there's no way to explain. Some episodes are just popular and others are just who knows. I, I The one time I think it blew my mind the most was the it was I think it was 20. Was it 2020 that I finally got Gavin Verhey on and. Like, oh yeah. I was nervous as hell about it because you know I haven't. It was I have you know because he's one of the guys who like he's younger than me. Yet I was nervous as hell and um because it's like you know hey he 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 helps design you know my favorite game that I play and <laughs> yeah like it, it did really well downloads wise. But the top episode of that year was when I had Efren from Cardsphere. You, you know Efren. Yeah. For whatever reason, his episode was like miles ahead more downloaded than than Gavin's. And I'm like, what the actual fuck here? Like, <laughs> makes zero sense to me. And so e e Efren always finds that hilarious. He's probably listening right now. He's like, yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, if you, Hi, Efren. <laughs> yeah. If you want me on your podcast, you know, I'll, I'll do wonders. It's probably thinking. <laughs> well, that, that's good to know because I'm, I'm always looking for 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 people to uh, you know just give me a giant uh, rash of listens for for some inexplicable reason. So yeah, Efren, um, yeah, DM me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just found that word, but yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. When I, I've had so many different ideas throughout the years, like I used to do a lot of skits in the beginning where I would. 
do random shit. Um, like, you know, what would it sound like if Gideon was a police officer in New York City, right? Um, oh, yeah. Sh- shit like that. Like, what if Jace was a talk show host? Um, but I, I still think my favorite episode I ever did when I when I used to do preview episodes of the new sets coming out is when mm-hmm. I did a preview about Ixalan, but I did it as if I was on the Star Trek Enterprise and like Captain Kirk, Spock, and Bones were, you know, looking at all the new cards, trying to figure oh, out this man. new strange planet. It was god oh, awful. <laughs> like the worst episode I've ever done in terms of downloads, but I had the most fun doing it. Sure, yeah. That, that sounds familiar, honestly. Sometimes the, the best episodes we do don't resonate with people like we, like we want them to do. And that's their fault, all right? That they, don't, <laughs> <laughs> that they don't relate to what I'm trying to say? No, nah, I mean, it was god-awful, but I had so much fun doing it. That actually sounds really funny. I, I, I should totally listen to that. Oh, sometime. God. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't listened to it in, like, years. It'd probably be complete cringe. I should make my daughters listen to it. Just no, to... no, 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 no cringe. We're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, no, it, it's been, it's been definitely a journey with content creation. It's, I mean, you're going to like, like we said before, you're going to come across times where it's just going to be like, fuck, what's the point? And then you're going to have your highs and lows. And I don't know. It's just, I mean, I wish I could say, you know, some awesome words of wisdom because it's like I still struggle with it and especially lately like last year when everything just like took a major shit in terms of my house flood and then like not being able to be consistent at all and like I've barely streamed now and it's like fuck man it, it, it's and like t- today's a good example where I was thinking of ideas but then it's like I'm barely playing magic right now and the thing that I'm having the most fun with magic is converting these magic cards into D&D stuff. But that's kind of hard to make a whole podcast about. Like, yeah, some, sometimes like, the inspiration is the hardest thing to find, too. Yeah, because, like, dude, I've, I've got, you know, I, I have a Google Drive for all my podcast stuff with just notes and notes from years and years of doing this. And it's I even look through that. And I'm like, nothing interests me because I'm not building any commander decks. I can't honestly really buy any magic stuff right now because I got I'm saving up for a roof for the house mm-hmm. um so it's kind of like fuck I can't really build commander decks like I want to I've got ideas I've got lists but no way to actually purchase the cards I mean I could buy them but my wife wouldn't be very happy though I mean have, have have you tried the uh, chaff box challenge that's how I look at it is can I build a deck that's memorable using just cards in my collection dude I barely have a collection now I don't know if you remember, but I had to sell like probably 90% of my collection last year. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, 2021 was kind of just a crater (laughs) in my head too. So it it, it sucked. And then it's like, fuck. But I mean, I, I, I've still been doing creative stuff at least, even though I haven't been doing the podcast much. I've been doing more D and D stuff, doing this D and D show. And I've been having so much fun with that. I want to do more D and D content because that's just, I don't know, it's fun. Yeah. So, so is it going to be a D and D with Zuby then? Kind of just hear it, hear it now first for for the first time, um, for the last time. 
Well, no. So I used to have a uh, what I would call an RPG companion podcast, where I would do episodes talking about D and D or Pathfinder or whatever other RPG game I was interested in. But those, the thing, I stopped doing those because those took a long time for me to make. Because those would be episodes where I would do my research. I would actually write a script. Um, I'd even do like PowerPoints for my videos and all that stuff. And it just got to be way too much to do. I mean, hell, they did great in downloads, but damn, just <laughs> it was a lot of work. And the, the time expenditure just wasn't <laughs> worth it for you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I hear you on that one. I mean, yeah, like if I had more time, but shit, it's, yeah, it, it's magic's my first love. It's there, but no, I, I want to, I want to eventually, when I get done with this first D and D campaign, um, that we're doing for D and D for normies, I want to start streaming some more D and D, probably like one shots, bring like magic people in the community, do some like epic battles, have, have people make some level 20 characters and just here's an <laughs> epic encounter and see if you guys can defeat it. Nice. Nice. It's gonna be fun. Do you play D and D at all? Uh, a little bit. I've just been getting into it a tiny bit. Uh, my cousin and more. some of his friends have gotten me into into it. We're at level three right now in our campaign. So nice, nice. And just just learning how to how to play because it it's it's not weird for me to create because I do mm-hmm. write on the side. It's just trying to make sure that I play the game the way that it's supposed to be played where i know it's not smart to walk in through that door but does my character know that and that it's that, that's it's the fun of it too that. that's the fun of it too like especially <laughs> when you're a player so it, it, it is like, hard but as so, so i'm i dm a lot right but the times that i do play you know it's you really got to try to get in your character's head like i, I played a game um my my friends and I we have an offline game we play I think like about every other Tuesday where I'm playing this fighter he's wise but not smart like his intelligence is very low but he's very wise for for being a fighter so he'll do dumb stuff but you know he'll only do it once he'll never do it again because he just doesn't know any better so it's but you also got to sort of fight that feeling of you, it's okay to do stuff like that, but as long as you're not being a complete asshole about it or like ruining the party's fun, that's where that's where it starts getting a little bit tricks tricky. Mm. Like having to balance that. But yeah, maybe I should get you in on one of my D and D streams when I start doing them. I'm not I'm not gonna start doing them until after I'm done with this campaign. It's taken up so much of my time. <laughs> yeah, that I, I hear you on that one. I, I tried DMing once uh, way... Actually, it was, I think, last year for the very first campaign I was ever a part of. And I did a one-shot, and it's like, that's three encounters with two players plus myself. And I'm playing a character... I'm playing two characters and DMing this because I'm in the campaign. <laughs> and it was super awkward. I almost killed my own character off. So that was not smart. Um, yeah, it, there was a lot to learn, but it was interesting just being able to have control over the story and do things. Oh, it's so much fun. I love it. It's 
I, I love what the characters do. I love what the players do. They're always going to take you by surprise. You can plan for every single thing you can think of, but the players are always going to do the unexpected, and I love that so much. For sure. For sure. It's my favorite thing about DMing. Like, whenever one of my players say, oh, you know, sorry, we ruined your plans or whatever, or, you know, not in a mean way, but it's, I'm just like, it's fine. It's good. It's cool. I love that. I love that personally. I love when shit, you know, just completely goes the wrong way. Like I've had times where I'll plan an epic encounter or something. And then one of the characters will go and try diplomacy instead and really talk their way out of it. And just like, okay, shit, this just opened up a whole new story thread. Now you're going to team up with the bad guys to take out the even badder guys. <laughs> I love it. So you mentioned that you like to write on the side. What do you like to write? Um, I, I really am not going to talk too much about it because I don't want this to take over the podcast. But oh, okay. um I, I do write science fiction on the side. I, Ooh, uh, nice. I, you know, I'm, I, was, I was part of that, the generation that, that grew up with Star Wars. So, you know, that was my big inspiration growing up. I had the prequels when I was fairly young. It's like, hey, they're on the big screen. I was at the right age and I really enjoyed it. And it's always kind of stuck with me. So even though I don't That's necessarily awesome. agree, I don't necessarily agree with everything Disney does with Star Wars. So when they do something that just doesn't interest me, I can go off and write my own thing. And that was the emphasis for that. So I, I do that on the side as well. Nice. Do you do Star Wars fanfic or like or no, original no, works? No. It, it, it's original fiction. Okay. Okay. Hey, there's nothing wrong with fanfiction. I used to do um <laughs> I used to do Final Fantasy fanfiction back when I was a teenager. Um and God, was there any other fanfiction I used to do? I can't remember. I mean like I, I I, I've always been really big into fantasy. Um, I started reading Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit at a pretty young age before the movies came out and all that. Um, so yeah, I know what you mean. It, it's I, I used to love to write, but I don't know. I can't do it anymore. I'm just... It just doesn't oh, interest me. It's, it's a slog, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, I, I feel like it's so rewarding when you create characters that are memorable and that it feels like they're a part of your personality. And it, it's kind of how I look at my EDH decks, too. Yeah. It's like they're they're kind of more than just thoughts on a page, too. It's like, you know, they're, they're kind of parts of your personality. Parts of my personality are certainly spread across my characters and whether that's good or bad, I guess. But um, any plans to publish or anything? Um, eventually I will. Um, nice. I'm still where I'm still I'm still chewing through there. It's still going to be a long time till I'm done. Yeah. Because you know editing is a is a pain. And oh yeah, you know, oh yeah. It's it's not the best. I'm just trying to prove to myself that I could do it. So yeah, and, you you should talk to um. I'm sure you've talked to our mutual people that um uh Shauna and Leslie. And um, I think both of them are into writing books too, or one of them yeah, was. I can't remember. Sounds about sounds about right. Yeah, you, you you should talk to them. Like if you ever, I don't know, need inspiration or something, because they told me they they have some sort of thing they do to try to write and set goals for themselves and something like that. 
It's been it's yeah, been a maybe. while since I talked to them about it. Maybe I should. I mean, it just since I, I finished the writing a while ago, it's just been the last year and a half of editing, and it's been a oh, yeah. been a pain. But the the writing has been rewarding because it it gives me a chance to unplug from magic when I really need to take a step away. Is magic yeah. is not supposed to be my only thing that I do. It's not healthy to do that. <laughs> so, so I know what you mean. I I try to step away from it. Go to my book. I mean, I, I'm a musician too. I I have to practice Ooh, nice. once in a while on that too. So it's like I I try to find other things, something productive, something creative whenever I can. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I, I I'm right there with you. Like, so I'm not much of an author, but I do have a D and D adventure, um, path or whatever you want to call it, written out. It's just the thing that I've just been slacking on so much is just the formatting of it, like rewriting some stuff here. I guess editing would be a good way to good way to put it, because everything's sure, yeah. all written out, and I also need to create maps and all that stuff too, which mm -hmm. um just been lazy with it oh yeah descriptive bits are not the best uh bit for me i'm i'm not exactly gonna set the world the literary world on fire with my amazing prose it's yeah, more yeah. like um i hope you like dialogue because you're gonna get a lot of it all the time <laughs> hey as long as it's interesting right oh yeah and i mean i mean i i i don't really uh no no one's really read it yet so i mean i'm, I'm just kind of just working through it i don't care if it sells or not i mean i'm just just, just the fact I that you could say yeah the fact that you could say like yeah i'm a written author or, or i'm an yeah. author who's written a book you know yeah and and, and even if it's just self-published it's like hey yeah, you know you i did i did it. the thing it's just like edh yeah. you know i did the thing and i'm proud of myself so yeah, yeah it, it really there's so many parallels between the two yeah no i like how you put um that your decks are sort of like a character too. There was someone else I had on my podcast. I think it was Adam Ant Plays. Um, I think he does more variety streaming now. He um he expressed something similar. Like he looked at building EDH decks like his D and D characters. So he had like he played D and D for you know so long that whenever he builds an EDH deck, he tries to have it mimic one of his D&D &D characters that he's played before and I loved that idea. I've been meaning to steal it for some of the D&D &D characters I've played, <laughs> but it's it's tough though, right? It's tough to try to come up with that, but it's a fun idea though. Oh yeah, and and just like with uh, with the podcasting, when when you're involved in any creative pursuit, you will have good days and you will have bad days. I've I've had days where I would just kind of sit in front of the screen, just you know, with the clicker on Microsoft Word, just blinking off and on like an old school traffic light, and like nothing's coming to mind. And then the next day, bam! Here's ten pages of unedited something that I just put down. And I mean, we're, we're not talking, even talking about sing, uh, double space. We're talking about single space stuff here. I mean, yeah. So it's like I, I, I you just just bleh. Here's a whole bunch of ideas on here. You know, it's not great. It's really, really crappy in a lot of cases, and it's going to need a lot of touch up. But the idea is there, and I'll, I'll I'll revisit this someday when I when I have the whole story figured out. But for right now, this is where you get to, and it's the same thing with podcasting too. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's just you don't have that feeling. Some days, I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said I really felt 
with it every time I record a podcast. Oh, yeah. There are yeah. there there are days where you just you don't feel all that great. You're just kind of okay. Let's just get this done with. You put it on a good face. And there's other days where it's just like you come out firing. You're just you're pumped up. You're like uh, Hans and Franz sometimes. You know <laughs> we're gonna pump you up and just you know just really you feel excited about what you're doing. And yeah, that's, that's just the creative process. It. it I'd be lying if I said that this was an easy job to do, but we do it because we love it. And that's why we, yeah. that's why, that's why I didn't quit when I wasn't feeling inspired is I kept at it and eventually got to where I am now. Same for you. And yeah, you'll, you'll get through the, the doldrums. You just gotta find what works and gotta find that spark of enjoyment of creation again. That's, that's really what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. And y- you know, it's such good advice and for anyone else listening it's it's good advice to heed not just for content creation just a lot of stuff too right like there was a time in my professional career that i felt the same way like i've hit a wall right because i do um network engineering as my day job and it's i don't want to say i'm at a point in my career where it feels like i know everything and i've done everything i definitely haven't but i've definitely reached a point in my career where I'm kind of high up there and there's really not much else for me to go except sort of like outside the industry that I'm in. Um, and I don't really have an interest in doing that. I mean, yeah, I could make way more money, but it doesn't making more money doesn't inspire me if that makes sense. Yeah, that's totally fair. And, um, but just recently, it's like I've been trying to get back into that, you know, being inspired for work stuff because I love networking. I can make a podcast on nothing but, you know, networking <laughs> and I totally geek out talking about packets and how they work and encapsulate and decapsulate and put everybody to sleep. But um, I just don't want to be surrounded by my job 24-7. <laughs> You know what I mean? You you have to have that uh, distance between what you're doing for work and what you do for for fun. That's just a healthy thing to do. And I I don't exactly have that personally. That's what the podcast is for is to say, hey, you know, this is something completely different. And it's it's so divorced from work that it you know, there's no way I'm going to think about work when I'm talking about magic because there's no overlap here. I don't want to think about work when I'm doing the podcast. Because it's not relevant. Though the it's best thing, you're right, but there's been a lot of things that podcasting for so long that I have been able to take and utilize in my job, such as knowing how to talk to people, right? Oh, sure. Knowing how to talk to people I've never met before and just carry on a conversation. It has helped me personally because as um, there's a, you know, saying out there for like it people they don't know how to talk to people and it's all just technical knowledge and not um oh what's the word i'm looking for like just non-technical skills or knowing how to open to people stuff like that but no i mean it's helped me tremendously just on an interpersonal level i should say like where i could just chat up with a stranger would i really want to not really like just someone i just met on the street i could i don't want to though (laughs) <laughs> if that makes sense yeah it totally makes sense like the times where I've been to GPs especially when I was doing the podcast too just trying to meet people and interview people that this has definitely helped 
Oh, it's it's exhausting though. It can get exhausting doing that stuff. Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, we're 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 like I said earlier, we're trying to do we're we're trying to interact and we don't always feel like interacting all the time. Sometimes we just want to not be in front of the of the the microphone and I I completely understand you on that one, but other times you just really want to be out there cuz you're you're interacting. And it's yeah, it's it, 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 it can be a challenge. It can also be really nice, too. It just depends on the day. depends on how you feel. depends on the weather. Who knows? For sure. For sure. So as a content creator, how do you deal? How do you personally deal with FOMO in terms of when you see all these people online and, you know, doing all these cool things or getting invited to stuff? And it just feels like you're sort of stuck in a rut. Do you ever feel like that? Oh, I feel like that all the time sometimes, um, especially when it came to uh, the not a GP, but MTG Vegas back in November. And I remember that I was really, really sad that I couldn't go. I mean, I'm still sad that I couldn't go because it sounded like an awesome event, you know, could have really networked, yeah. done all the podcasting marketing stuff that I really want to do when I'm working on now for whenever we can go when, when sorry whenever i start going back to conventions again and it's like that that's tough and yeah, you know was. just seeing conventions seeing people go out and do cool things it's like it i want to do that too this is part of the this is kind of part of what i signed up for when i uh started the podcast is you know mm-hmm. you're 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 becoming a public personality in a way you know it's like you're you're saying that all of a sudden i am basically taking on this persona of the podcast host that you know this is what i do i want to try to keep growing my my cast and that requires networking that requires marketing that requires just you know being in person and and you can't always do that out here you know when when we're all separated or especially a couple years ago and like when there's nothing else going on what are you gonna do so yeah it's i i've i felt fomo a lot honestly and it's 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 hard to it's hard to really quantify uh it all sometimes it's like do you do you want to go do you not want to go can you go sometimes you know work gets in the way other things get in the way that happens and hopefully um we can move past that best we can yeah it's i definitely would not have been able to go to vague i feel like they announced it way too soon um, like, yeah. well, like there wasn't enough lead time in order to plan it properly. Um, I think that what they only had like three months or something by the time it they was announced two months, two, it was months? two months. Yeah. Yeah. That's yep. like no time at all. And I'd already had plans for traveling that month too for work. Um, mm-hmm. so there would like be like no way I wouldn't have been able to go anyway, but yeah, yeah. Same thing for, for like SCG con in Pittsburgh. It's just, Hey, I, I'd love to go. Oh wait, I got a work thing. Uh, yeah. I it's like yeah. I'm I'm going to Vegas this summer for something work related, but it's kind of not the same. We'll have to. No, no, no. It'll actually be I have to work. <laughs> yeah, we can't go play on work trips. Unfortunately, that's just the that's the crap that we have to deal with as professionals. Yeah, I mean, I could, but. Uh, uh, no, I can't though. I don't know, but it is what it is. But yeah, it, it's definitely something that's tough, uh, especially when GPs were running rampant. Like, 
God, I, I've been wanting to go to GP Vegas for years now, and Pixie and I had a plan to go to GP Vegas in 2020. 2020, and, yep. And we had everything planned, and we were going to start making plans, and we were going to book soon, and then pff, fucking the world fell apart. Yeah, yeah, I I was gonna I was gonna plan going to twenty twenty one. It just didn't work out because not enough lead time. So yeah, there yeah, was... I, I I I hear you on that one. Uh, it's been, I don't know. It's it, it it's definitely tough because you know you see people like with their success and you want to be happy for them, right? You you want to be yeah. happy for them and you are, but sometimes you're just sort of like, well, fuck, what am I doing wrong type thing? But it's, I don't know, something that's, it's what people don't talk about is how much luck is involved too. Like you can have some of the best content, best audio quality, but all it takes is just that one time for someone to pick you up or not pick oh, you yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's why going to GP Vegas would have been, you know, big for my podcast. Yeah, it's for like, sure. hey, I can really sell my podcast now that I have a base, now that I have recognizable people on my podcast. Maybe someone at GP Vegas says, Hey, I want to talk to so and so. I want to be on your podcast. Well, all of a sudden it says, Hey, cool. This opens up opportunities I would never have on Twitter. But just on the other hand, you just if you take the podcaster away for for a moment there you just say you know i just kind of want to go to a gp again just play magic and it's like there's two different things you want to go for is i want to play magic but i also want to do the podcast but i also want a costume and it's like there's all these things you want to do and it, it made missing vegas very hard on me so yeah yeah it's, it's like it's still kind of a sore spot unfortunately it's like i that really sucks, want to man. go I'm next sorry. time though yeah and no no, 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 no no worries about that it's it's just like i it was really hard to to take that one it's like i can't go everyone else is going i, I know is going it's like oh. same thing with yeah. like the yeah it's 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 tough and hopefully 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 we can start having events again. We can we can start making up for lost time. I hope so, because, man, like some of the best times I had were not even playing at the events, just getting to hang out with friends, seeing people and just shooting the shit, really. I mean, oh, yeah, like hell, I, I had more fun just playing random table games at the last big GP I went to. Was it Atlanta or Dallas? One of them, like half the time, I think I played in a couple events and then the rest of the time I just played with random people and it was just amazingly fun. Yeah, the, the last time I went to a GP in the before times, um, I don't, did I even play in a single sealed event? I think I just played in the command zone for two days straight. So, yeah, that was, it was fun and I, I miss it. Yeah, I always try to get at least one chaos draft in. I, I love Chaos Draft. It's so much fun. Or Chaos Sealed, whichever one they have. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, but again, I was so new to Magic at the time. Yeah. That it's like I, I didn't understand much of anything. I knew Commander. That's it. Yeah. It's like I, I, I never drafted. I never. I was terrible at Sealed. I'm still terrible at Sealed for the record. Um, it's okay. But <laughs> still terrible <laughs> any kind of limited. But uh, yeah, it's like I knew EDH. I knew the Command Zone uh, concept. And it's like, that's what I wanted to do. So I did. Now, if I go, it's very different. I go in with a different approach. I've got a podcast. I want to try to sell that podcast. I also want to, you know, just play some magic, too. So 
It, mm-hmm. It's it's completely different focus now than where I was two years ago. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. And like I said, I've noticed you taking off. Um, notice you streaming or being guest guesting on a lot more streams. Yeah. Um, which I think is really cool. Um, it's fun. Yeah, and I see that you're trying to get into CEDH, or you have gotten into it. Um, I have, I have dipped my toe into CEDH. Okay. It's uh, it's it's hard. I mean, it, it's kind of like trying to relearn how how to play EDH because you don't have the when you're playing in more casual environments, you're you're used to things going in a certain way, right? Mm-hmm. We were talking at the outside of the show, talking about the kitchen table magic, right? And you expect that, okay, we're going to be swinging in with a bunch of just large, beefy creatures. CDH basically says, well, everything you know about that may be wrong. Not necessarily all wrong, but it may be wrong because here's how we typically will do things and we want you to keep up. So it's just, okay, well, all of a sudden now I need to learn to look for specific things instead of it just being, I don't know exactly what your deck's going to do because it could do a million different things. All of a sudden it's just, oh, that piece is on the field. Oh, well, now I kind of know what you're trying to do. Now I basically, my, uh, you, you're a fan of RPGs. It's kind of like, what do you do now? Do yeah, you do it's a, le- learning a, a lot of meta you know, too. Option B, yeah. it's like, what do I do? And it, but it's also a fun little challenge too is that it's it's it kind of all information is known in a way and it's basically what do you do with that information you can't mm-hmm. necessarily build decks the way i want to build them but on the other hand there, there's something nice about just being able to sit down and not have to worry so much about trying to find it uh an equitable and a, a reasonable rule zero you yeah, know, for, for more yeah. casual tables. And, and and that's not to say anything bad about Roll Zero. I mean, I've had whole episodes on Roll Zero. It's it's a mm-hmm. great concept. Doesn't always work, unfortunately. And when you nope. get around people, especially those you don't know, works better online than uh, than in person, I've found from, from yeah. limited understanding. But uh, yeah, it, what's nice about CDH is basically just, okay, I'm going to slam this deck and we're all going to try to beat the crap out of each other the best we can. And you're either going to be prepared for it or you're not. And it, it's kind of nice to have that challenge sometimes, too. But I don't only do that. I still love casual. I still play Battle Cruise. And oh, it's yeah, still my yeah. brand. It's just that CDH is kind of it's a challenge for me because it's something, something different. Yeah. In, 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 instead of going to another format, which is very difficult for me because I don't have the buy in. I don't I, I don't know the meta for any other format. But going to CDH is basically, well, I know the game. I know what's going on. I just need to learn exactly what's going on. And when, so, yeah, it's easier for that way. When when you've been playing CEDH, do you find the players you're playing with are more strict on the rules? Oh, no. I mean, the, the, there's a huge misnomer, and this is what I fell into when I was first learning how to play EDH, is we love to blame the CDH players for everything, right? Mm-hmm. And what, what I've what I've come to realize when I decided to dip my toe into CDH is, you know, they're some of the greatest people out there to, to talk with because they're, they want to have a very, very good play environment for themselves. And that means not shutting people out of playing. Because if CDH players have only two people, they want four. They're not going to gatekeep you. I mean, the, the good ones anyway. Unfortunately, there's always going to be some bad apples. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the ones I've run across, the people I've made now have as friends as CDH players, 
are they want to encourage you to play better and to help you build and understand because then it makes them have more fun because they don't want to beat the crap out of you because there's no fun in that. I mean, I, I, I'm going to quote uh, Nathan here, uh, the Hermit Druid on Twitter for this, is when I had him on, on one of my episodes a few months back, he's basically, he, before the show, we were just talking about that CDH, because I'm I'm getting into it, I'm trying to understand it, and he's yeah. picking the deck, he's picking my deck apart that I built, it's like, well, why are you putting this in? It's just, well, I don't know, It's it seems cool. Well, why are you doing that? Because... I want to make sure that I have an experience that is fun for me. And I hope that you bring your deck up to this level. And just, I can take this one of two ways. Either I can feel really butthurt about it and just, well, that's not fair. I don't want to do that. Or I can say, okay, I see where you're coming from. We don't necessarily have to agree on casual magic, but we can have a fun play experience if I say, okay, I'm going to play exactly the same level of you are, we're going to try to beat the snot out of each other at CDH, and that's just the expectation. And we can still have a lot of fun doing that. I think it's just changing your expectations a little bit and understanding that CDH players just want to have a good time. And, you know, gatekeeping for them, it doesn't do anything because it just scares people away and makes people hate them. And they don't want to be hated. They're just like you and I. They... They want to have fun games. They're just doing it in a different way, different level of optimization, op optimization, excuse me, and efficiency than we would have at a battle cruiser or you know, like mid power level, if we want to say that. It's just a different set of expectations, but it's the same game just done a little differently. So, what would, what in your mind constitutes the difference between, say, a high level optimized deck? and like a competitive edh deck like what's really the difference there i'm, I'm glad you asked there uh, actually zuby is i have just prior to, to me recording this i was actually just uh talking to another friend of the show uh mr fitzy fitz uh host of arena the ancients over on twitch if you're interested in checking out his cdh content and i was just talking about this exact thing um with, with him for for an episode that'll be coming out in a couple of weeks on my show and basically talking about how do you bring a casual deck into uh, kind of a fringe or CDH meta and just kind of saying, okay, just talk to me. Like, I don't understand anything you're saying, you know, give me like the kindergarten or the first grade high level understanding of this. What do I need to push this deck up? And really the difference between optimized casual and CDH, I think is just the mindset really is and in opt super optimized casual, you will still you, you you can still have some really, really fast, efficient stuff going on. I'm not going to say anything about that. But what CDH is, is, again, it's a mindset. It's the idea that everyone is doing this the exact same way or, you know, kind of the same way is we're running only the best cards, period. In or, you know, in most cases, we're running the best cards. Obviously, some decks have other cards that don't seem all that great vice versa but really what cdh is is a mindset it's about trying to in theory play with the most powerful cards ever printed and it's trying to think get places the most efficient way possible by using a pretty certain card pool so you're going to be running very few lands you're going to be running very tight combos you're running all the fast mana you can get your hands on your mox diamonds mox 
every 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 legal mocks in theory you can run here you're running your two thousand dollar gaia's cradles and uh and then not Tolarian academy but a uh, tabernacle pendrel yeah. veil things like that like you're playing with the most powerful cards in magic and you know that it definitely has its own alert to do that because i mean i i talk about my own homebrew that i built when i was first trying to get in in into cdh and you know it's it's always going to kind of be on the workshop bench right it's it's i'm always going to be tinkering with it it's always trying to find that right way to see if i can make the 99 cards that i have or 98 if i use my partner commanders um to try to do the thing that it's trying to do as quickly as possible but the difference between that deck and the more high-powered casual i have is really the card choices is instead of running you know, more sorceries, I'm going to be running the best cards. I'm going to be running every card I can't afford or don't want to spend money on. I'm going to be running every tutor I can get my hands on. I'm going to be running the $600 Mox Diamond. My personal list runs Bizarre Baghdad, which is thousands of dollars because I need to get cards in the graveyard for reanimation combo. I'm going to be running the best cards ever printed in that deck. The high power casual version of my deck I built with, hey, I have these cards in my collection. How can I try to push this power up decently, knowing that it's not quite competitive, but it's still fairly good versus the competitive is just I want to try to win as quickly and efficiently as possible. And I these are the cards I need to do that. And that that's really the difference is the mindset and then just some of the card choices. You really don't necessarily have pet cards in CDH. You just try every card is in a deck for a reason. And if it's a dead card, you basically cut it. No, that makes sense. Total, totally makes sense. I mean, it, it, it strikes a lot to me similar to when I used to play like Legacy and Modern. You know, always try to play the most efficient cards. And um, I mean, the way you talk about competitive EDH, I feel like you'd love something like Legacy. Of course, barring the price the price of yeah. legacy now is just insanity <laughs> but that 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 is really what's stopping me from from doing that zuby is is i i think now that i've gotten into cdh is i would really enjoy legacy but yeah i i'm not gonna drop if i'm not gonna drop uh three thousand dollars to uh make my goto bandit warlord deck for cdh you know fully fully decked out in actual cards rel legal and everything I'm certainly as hell not going to try to spend yeah. $2,000 to get a legacy or more legacy legal deck either. It's the that same so problem. And, and, and yeah, and, and CDH is awesome as well because they're totally proxy friendly. They're, I print my cards out at FedEx, print and ship, you know, the, the, the U-print services because it's $10 to print out a deck. What other format can you do that in? And people don't really bat an eyelash at. It's great. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. It's true. It's just, God, it's frustrating because it, as much as I, there are times where I wish I didn't sell out of Modern and Legacy because I do miss those formats, right? Um, but, God, just, I, I mean, shit, you could even look at EDH nowadays, just how much the prices are going for certain staples. Oh, yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, um... It was like Smothering Tithe. Isn't Smothering Tithe like a $40 card now? $40 cards, yeah. I got mine for $10, and I felt like I overpaid then. So yeah, I think I got mine for like way cheaper, but it's it's stupid. It's ridiculous, but only because we were lucky enough to get it when it first came out, right? Oh, and yeah. it's just... 
I wasn't even <sighs> playing when that card first came out, honestly. So yeah. I mean, that, that kind of tells you how I I kind of came in at the right time, but also I if I could have bought like five. But then again, I don't really play Smothering Tide in any of my decks either. Uh, it's kind of one of those cards where I I just try to play without it. Yeah. Oh no, no, it's no. It's annoying I, for, it, for, it my, is. for me to play. <laughs> oh, dude, same. So. I, I always talk shit about my Grand Arbiter deck, right? Because it's, you know, the control freak deck. But every time I've played that deck, you know, because it's got Rhystic Study, Smothering Tithe, other tax effects, it, it even gets annoying for me to play too. Like, do you pay the one? Do you pay the two? Do you pay the whatever the fuck? <laughs> oh, yeah. I Ugh. I have a Smothering Tithe. I have a Mr. Grimora. I have a Rhystic Study for the record out there but I only ever play them in one deck piece because it's yeah. like, this is where they will stay because mm -hmm. I, I get tired of Rhystic study, you know, and, and, and that's another thing with CDH too is, you know, if you see something that's dangerous, you got to remove it because otherwise it will probably kill you. It, I mean, it's, it's just an expectation yeah. that instead of, well, do I pay the two? Do I not pay the two? CDH is basically, well, what are you going to do? That, that, that is one it, thing that annoys me with Commander. Like, like when someone plays something that's obviously really good, and I think we've all fallen into this trap, right? We don't want to target someone because we feel bad, you know, yeah. because they got hit for 10 the previous turn, right? And they're just now playing the thing, whatever that thing is. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, God, how many how many times has that happened to you personally where you were doing really good, but then a board wipe happens and people ignore you for so long and then you slowly, silently start to come back in an, in, an, in an innocuous way and then all of a sudden, boom, you just win. All the time in I'm, my play group, or at least used to be, is yeah. I, I was really good at whether because my play group personally and this is nothing against them board wipes are king in in my play group so unfortunately i have decks that i never play anymore and that i've taken apart because they cannot stand up to board wipes they're just they just physically can't yeah and and it's like a, uh, i'm gonna pour one out for for my boy karn silver golem on this one because <laughs> uh i used to play him a lot and then i realized you know every time i'm playing this deck i win if i get dark steel uh let's see dark steel forge i think yeah the on, indestructible on one yeah and if i don't get dark steel forge or it gets removed i'm screwed and it's just well this isn't necessarily the way i want to play because all of a sudden is I, I love variants but all of a sudden now i need to draw the right card and i don't yeah. really have a lot of ways to tutor for it well it's just now well i'm screwed and so karn has unfortunately paid the price for the, for the board wipes we have in my play group and i've had to learn to get very sneaky with my card choices so all of a sudden i'm running three four pieces of protection just to keep my stuff on the board because i know board wipes will happen and in game it's just okay things are happening well you know what instead of playing this thing that'll obviously help my board state i'm just gonna sit here because i know a board wipe is coming in the next two turns i know a board wipe is coming in the next two turns because i don't have one but i know they do yeah and we're just gonna end up resetting the game and it's just well or i could either not play anything or i could put all my stuff on the table play eerie interlude which has become one of my favorite cards for that very reason keep all my stuff around there and basically say just don't try to wipe my board you know simple as that so it's it's complicated honestly 
is yeah. that I, I, I'm a very meta dependent brewer is I could easily build decks that just would handicap my meta so much that I could there. easily yeah. just win. And, you know, at some point that's not fun. Cause you know, are you playing? I, I guess I've wondered, am I playing to win or am I trying to have fun? And you know, if, if I'm not having fun while playing, I'm getting really salty. Then, and then it proves that something is not going right there. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not gonna lie, I get salty about games sometimes. I've had to work really hard to get back because I I want to be competitive, right? It's like I want to win. We're playing to win, but also if you're not enjoying yourself, you're not enjoying the decks you're playing. Maybe it's time to step take a step back and wonder. Well, it's just. Is it the decks that I'm playing, or is it EDH, or is it Magic, or is it something else? Because I think at that point, what I do when I get bored with a deck is I try to build something new, something that's exciting, and that keeps my interest much better. But other times, it's like you just need to walk away from Magic for a while. I've done that where I don't play for a couple of weeks at a time. It's just like, come back when I'm ready, and then you hopefully feel a little better and you find what joyed you about the game in the first place. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it because it's, I mean, we've all been through something like that. It's kind of what I'm going through in Magic right now, more of a identity crisis, I guess, because it's, I love EDH, but man, it, it just the change of the format as a whole the past couple years, I feel like has been not a whole lot to my liking. Um, I love how Watsy pays attention to EDH now, but I feel like maybe there's too much attention to it. <laughs> um, and the fact that, and this is probably going to sound bad, but the fact with all this different levels of casualness that people constantly talk about online is just. Yep. I'm so bored of it. Like, let's have this rule zero. Let's have this pregame conversation. Let's have this postgame. Co- it's, it's like, they're all good. It's all well, but damn, like none of this shit used to happen back when I played a hell of a lot during the LGS. Would you have a pub stomper come in? Of course. And then if that pub stomper kept continuing to try to play with us, all three of us would just gang up on him to get him out of our group and we'd tell him or you just walk away or something or, or like walk you, away yeah. too yeah i mean and i get it rule zero is important it, it's great as to what's happened but damn man i saw this one person write up some primer on how to determine how casual your deck is and i'm like we don't need this just i don't know just be open and honest about what your deck can do or or yeah cuz i mean so, so many people will talk about, especially longtime commander players, and how, like I said earlier, like how homogenous the format has become. And it has been. It's gotten faster, way faster than it used to be. Um, and people are becoming better deck builders with the, all the websites that are out there, um, content creators, and just overall the quality of pre-cons Wizards is putting out too is way better than it used to be. Um, God, Commander Precons used to be garbage when they would come out. <laughs> like, God, the, I remember the monocolored ones. Was it Commander 2014? Something like, yeah, I think it was 2014. God, those were garbage out of the box. Like, I think one or two of them were good. I can't, I'd have to look at the deck list. It's been forever. But 
Yeah, they're, they're, that was the one with like Nahiri in there, right? It's yeah, one of them. The, the the planeswalkers as commanders for the first time. You had Nahiri. What is Teferi it? was in there. Yeah, um, Teferi. The the red one was Freilis. I think was green. Yeah, Freilis was green. The black one. Oh my god, it's the demon. Um, fuck, I can't remember his name right now. And then the red one was the the goblin in the wheelchair. Oh, uh, oh um, Doretti. Oh, Doretti. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the black one though right now. I I can look it up, but was now, that Obnixilus or? Yeah, yeah, it was Obnixilus in his human form. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, but it, it's just like that. Like, do we really need all this determining casual stuff? How about just people talk openly? Like, people seem to get better at that. And of course, with your play group that you have, your personal play group, that's always going to be the best option for it but man I, I i don't know it's the whole landscape of just commander has changed and it gets exhausting a lot of times what all the discourse you see online about oh yeah whatever the hell commander shit and it's just i don't care i, I don't <laughs> the discourse is painful to deal with all the time and i try to stay out of it best i can yeah it, it, especially when it's just about this format that I freaking love and it's like I, I've pretty much gotten to the point where I mute I've muted so many words related to Commander on my Twitter feed because I just can't stand it anymore. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't want to see you talk about you know y'all bitching at each other because casual is not casual enough or you know and, and I know I'm not perfect like I've, I've purposely done shit on Twitter where I, I posted something a couple months ago where it's like, if you play these cards, you're not playing casual. Cause I just wanted to get a rise out of everybody. Um, yeah, I, I remember that. <laughs> it was funny. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Just, it gets old, it gets boring. It's just, it's like twi MTG Twitter and actually just MTG social media just recycles the same shit over and over again. When it's not someone being accused of sexual harassment or some other shit. So yeah. it's the same, um, same bullshit yeah. of, I don't know, whatever. Crazy. There's always a lot of negativity on the feed and that's what I'm trying to, trying to go after with, with what I'm doing is try to bring a little bit of, a little bit of funkiness, a little bit of fun, a little bit of whatever to the to the landscape out there it's why on my podcast i i don't do any uh any of the typical like bait trap kind of episodes where it's like you should play this you shouldn't play that i mean i the this one card changes I, the commander format totally yeah and yeah, it's, i mean i i don't even do deck techs really i only did the one just because people were asking about it and i mean i i, I did a whole episode on um exposing my own deck building style and i had this whole crazy uh <laughs> Is, is like put 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 my logo on the on the thumbnail right and it's just yeah. like mj's deck building secrets exposed and, and then i've got that little emoji the <gasps> bit on but there and what's sad that that brings funny. people that brings people to it like the, those headlines it's, it's stupid algorithms but yeah, yeah I, and, and it's it's actually that episode did really well and i go i get in the episode and just you know i build this really funky way and it's just what i do so it, it it was a very honest conversation, but I even just poked fun on Twitter. It's like, hey, I'm putting clickbait titles on my stuff. 
here. I've got this clickbaity thumbnail here, and y'all better watch out because it's clickbait, right? And it's, it's it's a legitimate episode that I do, but it's it's just, it was funny to just kind of poke fun at the algorithm for for that. Uh, I mean, it's I mean, shit. Just just look at the trending stuff on YouTube and the thumbnails and some of the titles, and it's like, fuck, man, this is what people watch, especially kids. Oh my gosh. Like, I'll look oh, yeah. at my, uh, she's 12, yeah, my 12-year-old daughter, her, like, when she'll watch YouTube on TV, just the shit she watches, just, oh my gosh, the the amount of clickbait stuff. It's like, it works, it works, it, her, her little mind is wanting to see, you know, what happens if you squish, you know, tennis balls in a hydraulic press, and she'll watch, you know, 15 of those videos. Oh, yeah, I... That's why I didn't want to do clickbait is I wanted to have an honest conversation with myself and with my my listeners is I want to make sure that you know exact I'm I'm putting all my cards on the table. It's like we're playing telepathy. Just yeah. I'm putting all my cards on the table and just saying, look, here's how I look at things. Here's how I build. There's no secrets here about how I'm looking at things. I just want to make sure we just get down to down to business. And we just mm-hmm. talk about whatever it is. And it, it's it's a formula that you would is actually surprisingly novel, unfortunately, in our in our uh, landscape of just people talking about magic or just content creation in general is it, it feels like there's unfortunately a lot of clickbait out there. And you know, it's like, unfortunately, it, it's, it's it works. That, yeah, it, it's weird that we when we want to try to have honest conversations about this, we were fighting uphill or shouting in the void because our ideas are valid too. It's just that you know they don't have the greatest sounding title. I mean, if 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 I have my episode like my thoughts on the Kamigawa Neon Dynasty Tumblr Tumblr teaser post, this is a episode I did from January twenty fourth. It's a legitimate title. I just literally talked for sixteen minutes about what I looked at the Tumblr post and said, "Hey, this stuff sounds cool. I mean, I I want to see what happens." And I, I could have easily said on oh, this is the greatest something, something, you know, blah, 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 set ever. This is the worst set ever. I could have gotten triple the listens. But is that really fair to my brand? No. I no mean, and you're, you're not being <laughs> honest to yourself either. I mean, that that's one yeah. thing that I'm. It, it, it's something that it the quicker you can learn that as a content creator, if you're not being honest to yourself, the better. Because there's always that allure of, oh, I want to be popular. I want to be with the what you consider the in crowd or whatever, you know, with the clicks. Just like yeah, you know, I mean, how you are in school. It's, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the thing is, I was never really into that in school because no one liked me. So if, for, for me, it's just I want to make friends what I feel is the right way to do it. Yep. And again, you know, it, it, it that's just my opinion. You don't necessarily have to agree with me out there, listeners on this one but the way i look at it is i want to make friends i want to build a community the right way that works for me i want to be honest about things i want to talk about my struggles i did a whole episode i mean we we, we talked for five minutes at least earlier about burnout right Mm -hmm. i did a whole podcast episode with andy flurry of the guardian project podcast had him on a long time ago talking about burnout for 30 minutes and it's real. This is a grind. We do this stuff. We we put ourselves out there for listens, for content reasons. And sometimes that kind of strips us down bare. So it's like we're, we have to have these honest conversations about what we're looking for. And that episode, it's really just saying, you know, we're human. We're trying to do these things. But at the end of the day, we do this content because we love it. And I sometimes I, I wonder... 
You know, it's like sometimes you wonder if it's worth it. And then oh, yeah. you, you find oh, yeah. that spark of inspiration and you figure out it's all worth it because the friends you made, it's not just, I, I may not get the comments on the YouTube where it's like, this is the best thing ever. Um, I, I may never be, I'm never going to be uh, overly successful content creator. Let's just be honest here because there's so much competition and I'm not doing anything special out there really, you know, according to the algorithm, according to what people really watch. I don't have a YouTube. I mean, I, I, I don't do gameplay streams. I don't do YouTube videos. I don't do TikTok. I mean, just all the really popular stuff, because, mostly because I just don't know how or it's really time consuming. Yeah. And but I'm just trying to do whatever I can to contribute to the conversation and just do the best I can. And I mean, sure. I mean, I, I, I want to keep growing. I want to keep this podcast, you know, going strong. I want to keep growing. But at the end of the day, I guess maybe there's just a cap to how much I can do that. So how can I try to put the best content out there that I possibly can and make the friends I want to make by doing this and feel like I'm legitimately making some progress here and, you know, doing the things I want to do and getting there the right way for me. And I think that's probably all you can ask of yourself, too. I mean, it's you know what makes you feel good for what you're doing you know is it the easy way to get all the easy clicks that you know you and i both know we could both be doing but it's not being honest and true to yourself right it's not how you want to do it because it's while that thrill of excitement you know may get to at first like say you put out a clickbait video and you get like five thousand downloads for it right and just oh my gosh it, it's such a great feeling but after a while you know that feeling's not going to last it's going to make you feel scummy after a while and especially if it's not true to how you feel too you know what i mean yeah i i, I completely understand that and that's that's why i wanted to not do that i mean that was the whole emphasis i was watching a video from a major content creator and just watching this video and thinking you know how come everything I'm watching on these videos always seems to be about someone trying to make a value judgment on a card or you should be building like this? I, I used to watch a lot of the major creators and I don't really anymore because I I guess that it just kind of it made me wonder. It's like they're they're doing a lot of things where they're trying to say this is good. This is bad. They're trying to kind of force it look like they're kind of forcing you to do something or not do something. And I kind of want to come in here with an open mind. A little bit and just say you know i'm just gonna be honest to myself i'm gonna just try to say positive things about whatever it is best i can and say you know a lot of cards are very playable you just they they just need a home they need the right home for them to be good and that's why i love my inquisitors flail see i'm bringing this all back full circle <laughs> i love my inquisitors flail i love oh my god what are some of my other favorite cards i'm, I'm gonna look some of them up here like some of the favorite cards i feel like i'm known for um, Darksteel Juggernaut, terrible card for most decks, but I love my silly um, artifact beater. It just, like, it attacks every turn. It's a 1-1 one, one if I have no other artifacts, if, if there's a board wipe on the battlefield, but it's like still, choo-choo, turn it sideways, let's go. Yeah. Um, it's like, I love Darksteel Juggernaut. Um, see, what else do I really love playing? Oh my god, I have so many just cards I love because they're silly. But mostly, I... I I channel this in my decks is they I want my decks my EDH decks to be that deck where you walk away from it thinking hey that game was really cool because MJ was doing something awesome that I've never seen before I mean 
I, I, I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here too much, but I am the <laughs> uh, progenitor of the colorless Najila deck. Um, that that is a thing. Uh, speaking of cascading cataracts, it is in there. Effectively, I had a again friend of the show, Mono Whiteboarder, said, "Hey, you, you know, you should try to build this uh, Najila deck kind of a certain way." So you try this and just maybe if you just played only colorless lands, and it's just hmm. So I built the deck where there's no lands that produce colorless mana by themselves. They're all filter lands or just random colorless utility lands. And well, I run 30, 30 mana rocks in that deck or mana dorks. So I run all the mirror. I run a bunch of diamonds. I run the manolith type effects. I run some of the banners from cons block too. And the, the challenge there is it's like a puzzle. It's trying to can I get two activations of Najila a turn? That's the goal. And can I do this? Can I not do this? And it's just, I really have to think about step by step, what colors do I have available to me right now? And can I get oh, an activation fun. off of this? And it is, it is a big puzzle for me to figure it out. And, and, and I can provide the deck list if, if uh, I, I want to see it. I'm, I'm looking at the deck list right now. It looks really fun. Like it, it, oh, it just it totally off, off the just first reaction because before you told me anything it just looks kind of look like a heaping hot mess but oh, then totally for, is, from but what it's... you're talking about like it's a puzzle like i can see it now as you're talking like yeah this is like how the fuck would you figure this out and it's got to feel so good when it when you manage to pull it off oh it totally does and if people are out there interested in seeing this deck in action i had a guest spot on the neo royal house of pricey cardboard many 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 months ago and uh it's up on the YouTube channel if you want to find the colorless Najila list. And it's just fun to, to look at, to play it. And it's it, it's fun when I can play a whole bunch of mirror, a couple of good warriors, and then just randomly drop Kozilek onto the battlefield just to draw some cards. It's like there's no other reason that's in there. It's just like pay 10 mana, draw six cards. Yes. You know, it's, it's just fun. It's a funky deck. I'm running all of the old... Uh, like Ravnica lands from from 05. So I'm we're talking like Nivix, uh, Novagen. It's like yeah. these things don't really do anything. I'm running Stencia Bloodhall. And it's like, this is not a deck I would normally play something like this in, but it's in there. So God, it's such a desert. bad card, but it could be one of those you could try to kill someone <laughs> with it oh, though. Totally. I, I have this funny thing where I got a playset of the Tron lands, so I just randomly throw them into decks where they're totally not appropriate to do so. So the Tron lands are in this deck. Um, I love the Tron lands. It's, I mean, it's like, it, it, they're sometimes I mean, so hard to pull off in EDH. Cause... Oh, totally. But I, again, when, when I just need a colorless lands, it's like, well, yeah. one, two, seven, if I get it to work. And, and that's another thing I do in some of my other decks is I uh, one of my one of my favorite decks, the, one of my signature decks um, is my Kotha fed uh, soul hoarder deck and I, I built that deck because apparently people uh, content creators said the card was unplayable and I said really so I built the deck and it's potentially my favorite deck to play against people. oh yeah I think I have played this deck against you I yeah yeah yes I, I think I played this a while back but yes my Kotha fed deck is super fun because it's like walking on the edge of a razor blade all the time. 
because uh, Kothafed has an ability where whenever a permanent goes into the graveyard from the battlefield, an opponent's permanent, I, as the player with Kothafed, lose a life and I draw a card, or draw a card, lose a life. And I have won games with this where I blow up some people's stuff. You know, I mean, I'm not really blowing up a lot of stuff. It's like a little bit here, a little bit there, kind of the noxious gear hulk uh, kind of thing. It's like, it's big, it's kind of stupid, but, you know, it works. It gets me a card. Um, and just funny little ways to gain life in this deck. It's a fun little deck, and yes, I have died in epic ways in this deck. <laughs> I have had taken the brunt of a turn five Blasphemous Act into a thousand Skeet Swarms to the face. Ooh, um, damn, I have, that's awesome. I have, I have blown <laughs> up 69, six, like 70, 80, whatever trillion plant tokens with the Reaver Demon into Psychosis Crawler and just obliterated the whole table, including myself. That's awesome. Um, I mean, this deck is just dumb, and it, but it's fun. I, it I does love look it cause, fun. Because it just has all these silly little cards. I mean, I'm running Sad Robot in there. I'm running just a bunch of like little lifelink creatures to get one damage, one damage here, one damage there. Like little protection spells, fun cards you've never heard of, like Prism Ring, which is an artifact for one. As Prism Ring enters the battlefield, choose a color. Whenever you cast a spell of the chosen color, you gain one life. Um, this is a way I try not to die to my own commander. Um, just fun little things that I can do. I have four snow-colored swamps in here just just because I have them in my collection. I don't use them. I don't need them. They're just there. And I'm also running all the Tron lands in this deck because, like, if I'm going to be drawing a lot of cards, I might as well play the Tron lands, right? So, yeah, I mean, why fun not? Little, fun, I mean, it hurts me, too. It's like I should be playing a lot of swamps because I have swamp synergies, but Urza's power plant's kind of fun. <laughs> and no one ever expects it so and just, that, that's some of the best yeah. part yeah this is how i build decks man is i love subverting expectations i love color shifting i love doing i love being that guy whose deck you will never forget or it'll be hard to forget because i did something very very different from the norm i mean i go on edh rec and then i look it's like okay there's people are playing this card not playing that card I'm going to go find something else. I'm going to go on Scryfall. I'm going to find some weird junk that no one's ever heard of. Um, yeah, there, there's just a lot of cool stuff. Like a deck I just built was Azorius Landfall. And, you know, it's like it's it's a little bit different, but it's it's a token deck in the end. You know, it's it's very known, but I just have some fun little uh, landfall synergies. I have some recursion stuff going on there, but I'm not playing uh, Crucible of Worlds. So just fun little things like that yeah, that man. i i just enjoy i just enjoy playing these and all of my decks if you really look at them share that if someone else is playing this i don't want to play it i want to play differently i want to be different and that's really my brand is i want to bring silly decks that you've never heard of if you want bant fairies i've got one if you want reanimator deck with one of the best discard uh, discard outlets in Anya Falconrath, I've done that. Um, if you want a Kark the Thumbless deck that is silly and stupid, I've done that. <laughs> I mean, I've I've got Najila. It's just I I love how I build decks because they're they're different like me, and I'm I do things a little differently with my podcast and my decks reflect that. Well, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. It's um sort of giving me a little bit of inspiration for wanting to build some stuff. Um, well, I think that's a great place to end it here too. Um, 
to I just want to first thank you for coming on and just you know pretty last minute for coming on and chatting with me um you know about your podcast about EDH your deck building philosophies your writing all that stuff um I guess before we end it do you want to give any shout outs before we end it here oh yeah I mean I want to give a shout out to all the people who I've you know met along the way in this crazy journey of content creation i mean obviously i'm going to start with you zuby because as, as i did mention before the show you really gave me my first my first break as a content creator you were the first creator to find what i was doing and say hey i like what you're doing keep going so that was just i i cannot quantify how important that was for me as a creator where no one listened to me and then someone finally did and I've been trying to pay that forward however I can when I'm working because I've I've I haven't I, I mean, I've made it. I've gotten somewhere and I'm trying to do what I can to, to pay that forward. There's a another podcast out there um, that I really enjoy. They're just starting out. I'm trying. Oh, my God. What is the name? I'm trying to find them on the on the Twitters. And um, would you be my commander is what they're called. And they're they're doing this like a Mr. Rogers okay. style thing. And I listened to the episode. And it's like, you know, this is exactly the same kind of thing that I've been doing is just talking about the talking about a deck, just talking about how you got into it and just what you enjoyed about the deck. And they've only done five, six episodes, but it's like, I really like what they're doing. And that's really what I've what I'm trying to do. So um, yeah, for all the people I've I've come across, so my my best friends on here, uh, Neil Royal, uh, Mono Whiteboard, or Coach Jero, Mister Fitzy Fitz. Um, man, there's just so many people. Sam from the Commander Crunch podcast has been has been awesome to work with. Um, Alan from Mental Misplay has been awesome. Dan, moderately anonymous. I mean, I mean Scoots, Nathan, Scoop. Uh, all the CDH people out there, I love you. You're awesome. Don't change. And just everybody I've I've run across in this funky journey through through content creation. It's it's really been awesome. And I feel like the people out there are really the the reason why I keep doing this. Because I could have packed it in a long time ago. But it was the people who out there who shared my excitement for the game who just kept me going when I was kind of at my low points of of creation of this podcast and it's the reason why i've been going strong and kept growing and just keep putting stuff back into the community so thank you so much to everybody who has uh put up with me i i, I feel like i'm doing an award speech you know <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah it's thank you well, to hey, the academy for for this you never know there's always the was it magic content creator awards that, Could that is be true nominated. that is true that is very true i uh but but again i no, it's just I, I've hopefully the reward is, you know, making the friend the friends you make along the way. Yes. And just being involved yes. in content and being on streams, being on your podcast today. It's like feeling relevant that we're chatting. You and I may not have anything in common otherwise, but we have magic. I mean, I, I, I don't know, but we all have magic in common. And that's a nice divine unifying thread that I, I yes. think sometimes gets lost amongst the rigmaroles. We're all playing the same game. We could have quit a long time ago, but we didn't. Well, why did we not quit? Because we enjoy this game. We enjoy this format. And the format will be fine. I mean, we may not necessarily agree to how exactly it's going to look, but the format's going to be fine. Yep. 
Nope, very well said. Well, thank you again, MJ, for, like I said, taking time out of your night for coming chatting on with me. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you for all the shout outs. And uh, thank you all to the listeners, watchers, viewers out there for listening to us. And I hope you have a good night, MJ, okay? Yeah, you too. Thank you so much. And, and thanks to everybody out there for listening. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. All right. All right. Thank you all for listening to the show. I hope you all enjoyed it. And thank you, MJ, for coming on and taking time out of your night for chatting with me. We had some really good conversations. I really enjoyed it. Um, and thank you again to the listeners and viewers who are constantly always watching and listening and all that stuff. I do appreciate you. And I'm going to try to put out more podcasts more. I mean, I'll be honest, this D&D campaign, it's kind of taken a lot of time and a lot of creative energy and just trying to get that energy to stream again too. But no, um, we're getting there. We're getting there. But thank you again, all everybody. And I hope you have a great night.